All right. Looks like you all had a good time last night. I shouldn't say last night, the day, the yesterday, and the night before, and part of the day before. So, uh, um, great time, great investment of energy, um, ministering, investing into our kids. Not only, you know, we have a philosophy around here that we really try to do. Um, education over entertainment and process over event. We really believe growth happens slow and steady. And so everything we try to do around here, from adult discipleship to, to youth and children discipleship, is a plan. It's trying to say, God, how do we grow in Jesus? And this is one of the parts of that, growing in Jesus. They had a great time, and, and uh, Pastor Paul and, and Pastor Dave and the rest of some other people who put this together, they searched high and low to find the right people to come in um, and lead this this weekend because we're hoping that something like this will become an annual event for our community. We had multiple churches participating, and uh, that in itself is a win. We're a body of Christ. If the same spirit that dwells in me, that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in me and dwells in you, guess what? That same spirit dwells in the people who go to Freedom's Church and Open Door and all the rest of the churches around here that honor Jesus, and we're a team. And so we work really hard to bring um, our community churches together and, um, and just learn and grow together and, and become part of a, of a family. So um, they brought in this wonderful couple I got to meet running a thing called Cadre Ministries. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Um, a ministry dedicated to teaching disciples to make disciples. And uh, it's headed up by, by Dave and Rennie um, Garda. And so, Dave, I'd like to welcome you this morning. I know Runny's coming up at some point, at most is right now. And so, or Runny's coming up right now. Give her a hand. Welcome. So glad you're with us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, I can't tell you what an incredible weekend. And uh, the Church of Port Washington, I say that because we've had three churches involved. And I want to say thank you, Port Washington, for welcoming us, for your hard work, your courageous spirit, and your boldness, and believing in students all over the country uh, for the sake of this generation and the next three out. God always talks about three generations out. And when you look at this generation of students, you can bet that God's about to unleash a mighty army, and I can't wait for you to experience it with them. Um, thank you for your support for the weekend through food, through a time spent with us. Young, what an incredible investment of leaders throughout the weekend, and we're just delighted to be a part of it. Dave and I have been in ministry for 37 years. Before that, we were the ministry because we were the kids, um, and now we're grandparents. And uh, I have grandchildren all over the world. Some of the, two of them are my birth grandchildren, <laughs> but the rest are my spiritual grandchildren all over the world. Most of which have all been through this training tool called Equip. It wasn't always called that. But we work with mission organizations all over the world, and many of those same students are coming back to me now who are now adults leading these mission organizations saying, if it wasn't for equip and you equipping us to be the leaders of today, we would not be on the mission field today. Now, reminding you, the mission field is not only those who are going overseas, but wherever you work, your colleagues, your schools, your hospitals, your, your uh, educational system, but also within the judicial system. I mean, are you praying for these people? This is what we've been intriguing our students with this weekend, is no matter where God places you, you are his missionary, because you have been sent as his messenger of love. 
And I can't wait for you to see some of what they've been learning as you see it flushed out in their lives through the next few weeks. But also, as we began our weekend, we started with a passage about friends who care about each other. We have to care for each other in order for us to share with our friends who don't yet know Jesus. And so we started with this passage out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I have Emma who's going to read that passage for us. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, then can defend themselves. Then two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not quickly broken. We were teaching them that throughout all of Scripture, God started with the fact that it is not good for man to be alone. And that was not just in marriage. That was in community with one another. That he said, yes, it is about me, but it's also about me and others. We have 33 one another's in Scripture. I don't know why else it would be just God and me if he talks about how we're to live with one another. So we've really been encouraging them that it's not good for you to do your spiritual life on your own. You need to be with other like-minded friends. And how do you live that with one another? How do you get to know friends? How do you make friends? And so we came up with this acronym called KISS. Greet each other with a holy kiss. It comes from that passage. And it's meaning greet each other well. Treat one another well. Make sure that you're living well with one another. And so, guys, tell me, what does KISS stand for? No, Absolutely. And so we not only talked on that, we not only uh, taught towards that, but we actually invested actually doing it. So we actually took time getting to know one another. We talked about you got to spend time with people. You have to talk, but you also have to listen. And one reason why God gave us two ears, right? We need to listen to one another from our hearts, not just with our ears, right? And we actually did experiences towards that end. And then we talked about praying, and we didn't just talk about praying. We actually went to prayer, and we even had a concert of prayer, right? And and then we didn't just talk about serving. We actually got to serve around the church. We were helping to clean up. We were helping to put things away. You know, we were serving one another. Would you like something else to drink? We actually had them make each other's hot dogs, right, (laughs) with all the toppings on it from Boston to New York to Cincinnati to Philadelphia, not Chicago, where I'm from. What's with that? (laughs) But in the midst of that, not only serving out of Philippians chapter 2 where Jesus served his disciples, but also we also went on um, spurring one another on. How do you encourage one another? And we spent time just encouraging each other and, um, and also making sure that we're not just doing that here, but we're beginning to extend that outside of our communities, right, and at our schools and on our sports teams and in our neighborhoods and, more importantly, starting with our family. Moms and dads, thank you for investing this weekend by lending them to us and with us. I hope you see something different 
Right, students? Something different out of our lives because we've spent this weekend together. But you know, God said it wasn't enough just to be a disciple. You gotta be a disciple maker and you gotta know people and you've gotta kiss with people. But you also need to do CPR with those who don't yet know Jesus. And so we switched gears and we started talking about those people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus. And we came up with the acronym of CPR. That passage is in Colossians chapter 4. And Gavin's going to read that for us. Quietly enough for those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conservation be graceless and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. So guys, how are we going to live that out? Cultivate, cultivate, cultivate. Plan, plan, plan. Awesome job, guys. Go ahead and have a seat. (laughs) Live wisely. Make the most of every opportunity. Colossians chapter 4. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Today, guys, this is a new session for you. Our fourth session together, you get to join us, and you get to join us in it as well. As we ask ourselves, what distracts you from living wisely and being able to share it with others? I'm not touching you. 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 you from telling other people about how much God loves you. All right? You know, out in life, what distracts you? Just take a moment. What are some of the things that distract you from sharing what's so incredible that we sang about this morning? We get wrapped up in so much, don't we? Uh, I love to point out uh, to our friends that in Genesis 1, we learn how big God is. In Genesis 2, he shows us how he created this world. He completed for us to do life, but it wasn't good for us to do alone. So he created this search for community. And he gave Adam and Eve this chance to do life. And then Genesis 3, we get this hint that he regularly showed up to hang out with them. You know, it's kind of a one-time thing, but they know when they're hiding that he's coming and they can hear a sound. Therefore, guess what that's a hint of? It's been happening regularly. They're doing life, but God's a part of that life with them. Now, the fun part we sometimes miss is we think, okay, day eight, they messed up. And and actually, there's a lot of hints in Bible that that time that they spent in that second chapter of doing life together was a long time. They learned a lot about God from those times. It wasn't just one day. It uses the word convinced, and the tendency is this, it's like, Satan was like working and working and working and work distraction. You see the guy working and eventually they had learned so much about God. We know later they passed that on. They went for a long time. And so when that relationship broke, that was so precious between God and us, 
It not only broke the relationship with God, you guys know it broke the relationship between how we treat each other. Man, that marriage builders. <laughs> you see, our relationship with God restores how we relate to each other, not just how we relate to God. The whole thing broke. You know what I love is in that chapter, God approaches them with this grace and kindness, even though he knows they sinned and they were hiding from him, and he pursues them. Have you ever been told to do a quiet time, ever told to hang out with God every day, right? No, and you think you're supposed to chase him? You know the cool part in Genesis 3? He's pursuing them. I always picture this from the first day I got to know Jesus, actually before that. He's sitting there at the foot of my bed when I get up going, you want to spend some time together? And sometimes I get so busy. Check my email before my Bible. Guess what happens? Life rushes in on you. It's already too busy, right? Every day he's sitting by the fireplace, virtual cup of coffee made. For me, it would be a cup of espresso. Going, we're going to hang out first. I want to make sure you know as we go about this day, I'm pursuing you. I love you. So we learned how we need help to do that. And so... We, uh, we define the things that we train this weekend, and you guys, friends share is loving God. You have a blank or two in your book, but it's loving God and spiritually lost friends enough. It starts with your relationship with God, then your love for your friends, that you actually want to introduce them to your relationship with Jesus. Now, wait, remember what distracts you? What would not distract you? What would, isn't coming to church and singing those incredible worship songs? Doesn't that fuel you, but you know, it kind of dies out by Tuesday. If you're not opening the Bible and worshiping through the week, right? Right? We need that. We need our small groups. You called them what? Connect groups. That was so normal in Scripture, by the way. That's not a modern invention. They always partnered in twos to fives with a shepherd to push them forward and to be friends together. We learned that was normal. You guys, so there's this little idea that you can't help sharing. What's going to overcome your distractions? God's love is so real to you. That's point one. So what's it going to take for God's love to be so real to you that you don't even, I always laugh, Rennie and I find ourselves sharing Jesus everywhere we go, coffee shops, my world of computers, my world of the gym, which was my daughter signed me up into the pain. Princess Bride says to die would be kinder. Yeah, yeah, for a year. I've been in the gym twice a week for an hour with a trainer because she said, I want you around for a long time to do life with me, Dad. And you know what I found myself? I can't help but share Jesus with people who don't know when I love him because he loves me so much. We love because he first loved us. So you see, if you don't spend time hanging out, and if it's just kind of about a check-in-a-box thing of church, and you don't get this heart relationship he's chasing, then of course sharing is going to seem weird. But man, when your relationship with God's incredible, you'll find yourself sharing and you don't even know you were. It's my favorite kind of evangelism. I didn't even know I said that. But part two is you want your friends to know God. Why would we want to keep this to ourselves? Why? It's so, why wouldn't you want to share if it's so incredible? By the way, if it doesn't seem so incredible, you want to share it, you need to ask, what am I missing about God? Because you're not missing evangelism, you're missing your relationship with God. And we all know we get to those moments where we kind of like get distracted, right? So uh, take a look at this little video moment here. Here I am, Lord. 
I don't want to walk by myself and pack on a burden I'm not required to carry. I want to do this in your power, your strength. Because honestly, I love you. So I'm asking, how do I do this? How do I overcome my fears and reach out to my neighbor? How do I evangelize in my sphere of influence? I'm willing. I mean, if Tom needs a truck to move, he can use mine. Cheryl's patio is falling down. I've got a bunch of tools. I'll build her a new one. I'll spring for the lumber. Or if Jack still wants to visit Aunt Betty in North Dakota, I'll buy him a ticket. I want to love them, and not just with words, but action. You say you've come to seek and to save the lost, to give them life and life to the full. And I've tasted that, so I pray for your life to be part of their life. And I pray that I could play a part of giving that. This neighborhood. This community. It's my mission field, right? But I don't know where else to begin, so I'm praying here. I want to serve you with my entire life. So here I am, Lord. Send me. It's all about how God's love motivates us to want to love others, right? So I'm going to have to do this again. You've got to talk to each other. Sorry. I mean, this is normal Hebrew church, and I know we're in Western church, but sorry. So I want you guys to take a moment. What is it about God's love that he loves you so much that makes it easier to be willing to share with your friends because of how he loves you? So all of you, just find a partner. What is it about God's love that makes it easier for you to want to share about him? Go ahead. Okay, pause. Now, I mean, it's a little humbling when the fifth through eighth graders, you know, out wrestle this, right? Then, you know, sometimes we walk for a long time and we kind of miss the obvious stuff. And they have spent all weekend wrestling scripture. I mean, I've been writing notes. <laughs> it's just, I just, I didn't mean it matter that I went to cemetery. Uh, I mean, seminary. I, you know, I'm listening to a fifth, sixth, seventh grader opening scripture, talking with their friends, and I'm like, wow. Only the Holy Spirit. Only someone who's been loved of God. So you guys, thank you. All weekend, I've told you. I mean, you impressed me because you're connected to God at a level that's impressive. Not because of you, but because I am. Right? And I, so I just want to remind you, sometimes, you know, in, in the Old Testament, they tuned their focus to read the Bible to get to know its author. And somewhere about the time of the New Testament, they started making it about the memorizing the book and missing its author. Kind of knowing the textbook version of Jesus or, I mean, of God. And Jesus had to deal with that. And we're going to look at a passage where he's dealing with it. They, instead of, they missed who God was and they started spending their time in the Bible, missing it. It was a love letter from God. Get a love letter. I want to rip it open and read it and then go hug my beloved. Not, oh, we need to parse the comma. <laughs> What does that mean, to be loved by God that much? Every time they looked at a scripture passage, they had to say, what does that reveal about God? Not what I should do. What's it reveal about him because he motivates me? What a different way to read the Bible. We've been reading the Bible all weekend that way. What does it show us about who God is? So in doing that, if you have a Bible, students, too, Luke 15, I want to show you in one of these fun passages about what's lost, 
Something very simple that Jesus taught that will help you as you guys leave here to go, you know what? I can't just get wrapped up in loving my Christian friends. I need to balance it with being around. Yeah, you're, look at, they, I want to read, see, you I mean, how hungry are you? How quick are you to find the passage, huh? I mean, they're on it. They're there first. Now, that's good news, right? Right? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to read it because I have the microphone on, but oh, that's awesome, though. Let me read from you. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the NLT, this morning. Um, verses 1 and 2, before we get to the core of our passage, and then I'm going to, we hit a video camera in early Palestine, and I want to show you a clip we caught of Jesus teaching this. Right? He's speaking exactly the language of Matthew, so it'll, it'll be interesting. Verses 1 and 2. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I always say me. <laughs> tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them hot dogs and stuff, right? Well, we hid this video camera in early Palestine. I hope you know I'm joking, but okay, you don't know me. Here we go. This is actually word for word from the Gospel of Matthew. Let's take a look. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Mm. Now, let me read to you the rest of how Luke captured this story. Starting in verse 3. So, because the Pharisees were questioning them, Jesus told this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, before I give you some equipping, some very clear principles from this, let me give you a little background. Matthew was a tax gatherer. He was one of those notorious sinners. And he used to collect the taxes in Capernaum where Jesus moved to be with his friends. It was his port, Washington. He moved from his hometown to Capernaum to do life with those who were wanting to follow him. He pursues them. It's kind of interesting. He moved to where his friends were. Well, that's what God did in Genesis 3. Hmm. He sounds very godlike. Oh, he is God. He's pursuing them. And he does life with them. And one of the guys in the town named Matthew collected taxes, which meant he was a Jewish young boy that grew up betraying his own people to work for the enemy and collect taxes for them, by the way, generally unfairly, as much as you could get. Remember that game we played last night about getting Bibles from you and the underground church thing? You know, and how many can I get from you? You know, and yeah, they had a, I had to play the bad guy after teaching all. It was like, do you still like me? Do you? Okay, good. Whew! 
good, good, because, you know, so some of them did give up Bibles in order to get more Bibles smuggled in the back way. They were pretty smart. If I give you one, I get seven more smuggled. They were smart. They were good. In the process of this passage, Jesus would have kept seeing every day. He would have seen Matthew there. And you know what's interesting? This is in year two of Jesus' ministry. And he would have been around. Matthew would have heard him teaching because their, their synagogues were open air. There was no glass. So you could hear everything going on. Matter of fact, the moms could be doing the laundry and hear everything their students were learning. It's really cool if you ever go to Capernaum over in Israel to realize how it was like the hub. It's like Moody Radio, I always laugh, playing on everybody's channel. You could hear everything your kids were learning while you were doing your work around as long as you didn't have a noisy job or a two-year-old, right? And so as they're there in the synagogue, one day he goes to Matthew and he says, Matthew, would you like to follow me? You know what's interesting? Right after Andrew found Jesus, he runs and gets his brother Peter and says, I want to show you Jesus. As soon as Philip finds Jesus, he goes and he gets Nathaniel. I want you to follow Jesus. In other words, many of them, but nobody ran and got Matthew. Matthew was the one that, no, he was the knight, he was the one sheep. He's the one that nobody's looking out for. And Jesus himself says, I want you to follow. And so picture this. He throws this huge party and all of the sinners and tax gatherers from the region because it says he was like the head of the IRS. He was the chief tax gatherer. So when the boss invites you, you come to his house. So you want to know how Zacchaeus, I live in a town of Sycamore. Ever hear of Sycamore tree? Um, Zacchaeus, do you know how Zacchaeus, why he'd be in a tree waiting for Jesus to come? His boss had had a radical conversion experience. You never thought that somebody who was a tax gatherer could be received by Jesus. And Jesus goes, come anyway. And he's got Matthew, who he knows, walking right alongside into town. And it's like, I want to happen to me what John the Baptist said we should do. Be fair with our tax gathering. What Jesus said, you can come to me. See, we don't always make these connections But this is a very small area. They're doing life. They know each other. And Matthew threw a big party. I actually think Zacchaeus was there at the party the day Matthew threw it. And now he can't wait to get close and invite Jesus to his house. Which is freaking the religious people out. Hey, do that church stuff at church. Don't do it in your house or at your work or at your school or on the bus or in your neighborhood if you're homeschool, right? So you start to, you guys starting to realize how relationally connected and how regular this was. Jesus is doing life with them. Jesus makes a friend and now Matthew's right in the story. I love how the Matthew one ends, what you saw on video. That was word for word from the NIV Bible in Matthew, by the way. <laughs> it's amazing how Jesus spoke NIV. Right, no. So, you know, in the moment he ends it and he goes, isn't it amazing how Jesus wouldn't let one go by? You know, Matthew's thinking when he's writing that, that's me. Are you thinking that's you? Think about what, you know, you guys wrote your story, what God's done in your life before you knew him, when you knew him. I mean, you, aren't you, that's me. I'm the one Jesus goes, come with me. Isn't that great? Too bad you haven't all written your story lately, right? Why don't you write it down? What God's done in your past to take you to where you are today, what he did for you to know him, and then what life's been since that, and have that ready to share. That's kind of what Matthew does. And so in Luke, Luke's capturing the story from all the interviews and all the people around. It's not an eyewitness account like Matthew's of one person. It's all of these interviews. And he ends it with saying this, in the same way, 
There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99. Now, he's not saying people are righteous and don't need salvation. No, no, he's actually using irony. Look that word up in a minute. That's kind of a joke with us. Irony. He's using kind of Jewish humor. It's kind of my geekiness. This is Jewish humor. He's actually taking the first verses of this passage where he says, I don't like that you're spending time with people who don't know Jesus. Now, by the way, we told the students, don't do that alone because you can be greatly influenced alone. Get a couple of your friends and invite someone who doesn't know Jesus and do it together because now you get the support, not just the distraction bug, right? It's when you're working with your friends who don't know Jesus, it's nice to do it with your friends. So they've learned about partnering in triads, small groups that partner together to pray for their lost friends and do things with them. So they're not alone in it, which I recommend for all of us. Your small groups, what a great way to invite some neighbors over. Hey, we have a small group that meets. We're having a barbecue. You want to come be a part of it? But you know what's amazing to me? Did you catch where Jesus brought the sheep? Oh, okay, you probably don't know the background. You haven't hung out in Israel lately, right? You know, when he left the 99 sheep, he didn't leave them waiting for wolves. They were out in the hillside. Remember the Christmas story? The angels, shepherds, they're all there. Right? All the different flocks would just be together. Let's say four churches were here this morning. you know. And Pastor Mark could do a special kind of whistle. And when he does that, or a special rhythm, and all the sheep would go, that's us! And they'd come running up. So you could be all mixed until it came. And they go, oh, that's my shepherd! So when he left them, they were still being watched by... The larger church, not the little box church, right? Kind of cool. The shepherd, the sheep. But you know what happens when he gets the little lost lamb, Matthew, in the story? He brings him home to his home, not to the field. That is what's messing with the Pharisees. You see how he's wrapping it around? Why this isn't a comment on righteousness, but rather on are you focused not just on those who love you, but on those who don't know Jesus yet? Would you be willing to bring them, are you ready, close? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? I mean, he's saying, you know what you're critiquing me for? If you would really read your Bible, you'd find out God would be excited about this. How come you're not? Isn't it amazing when we pick on each other more as Christians to keep each other from doing what God wants so Satan can leave us alone because we're so busy not doing what God asks and trying to argue about it? So what we learned this weekend is how to help each other, right? So on a really simple side, there's some pretty cool practical things you can do with your friends here. Because if you have God's heart for your lost friends like Jesus did for his, right? The very first thing, you notice what he did? He noticed them. Hey, why don't you notice somebody who doesn't know Jesus when you're at the gym, the post office, the bakery, the coffee shop? Why don't you notice them? Because our head's down and we're so focused on us. Every morning when I get up, Rennie and I do read scripture together. It's really a cool process in our life, and we have some ways to remind ourselves to do that. And uh, we, it's, it's a cool process, a cool part of our marriage. But this little strap from Deuteronomy 6 um, comes on my wrist after I've read scripture in the morning, but it comes off at the end of my day. It's part of Deuteronomy 6 talks about it. That's another message. But they had a little other strap. And after I read scripture in the morning and pray, I put this on. It's kind of like my Nerf gun's been loaded with darts. And I go, I've learned something about God today. I can't wait to share. I don't mean that like I'm going to hurt someone. It's a Nerf gun. But the idea is I, it's like they're, it's loaded. It's, I've got something to share. But sometimes I just go about me. I miss it. How do I notice people? Jesus 
actually notice that the lost sheep wasn't there. Guess who we pay attention to? Whoever shows up. How do you pursue? You let God prompt you. That's another message for another day. You know that the Holy Spirit actively wants you to be prompted and he puts names through your head and when he does, you should be doing something with that and not just going, oh, that was weird. I thought about them. (laughs) Don't just pray for them. Pray for them, but don't just. Also, connect with them. Hey, by the way, I was thinking about you today. Now, if they're a Christian, you can say, God, I'm praying for you today. But if they're not a Christian, you go, hey, I was thinking about you today. And they go, someone's thinking about me? Is there something I can be an encouragement? Wouldn't you know that's exactly the moment that their life they're struggling? And that they're like, wow, that's kind of weird that you would know that? I mean, I can tell you a, a long story that I won't, but we went through a lot of years where our daughter was in a really dark place in her life. And it's like, wow, Satan did everything he can to take her down if he couldn't get to us. And there were some times at 2, 3, 4 in the morning during a really dark time that we were both up weeping. And you know that you got mail thing would come on the old AOL days? You got mail. And you'd go, who at 2.30 in the morning, and it'd be somebody, some other part of the world, is waking up praying for us because God's particularly burdened me for today. Is there something going on? And you're like, this is the moment I'm weeping. And God had to wake up someone in Cambodia to call me to go, hey. And I'm like, God, I know how you prompt because I've experienced it. So you guys, when God prompts you with your friends' names, do something to reach into their life to be a spur serve, get to know them, connect, right? Don't just let it go by. But guess what we've done as adults? We've so busy, we've trained it to go right through. Let it stop, stick, pray, and at least connect. I'm thankful for Twitter and Facebook and phone calls and cell phones and cars. We can drive over and see them. Make a coffee appointment. Whichever way you like to connect, just do something. Second thing is he chose to seek them. He could have noticed and ignored. He could, oh man, good thing I still have 99 sheep. <laughs> what? Pork chops is not the name of the missing sheep, right? You need to get him back. It's like, I'm going after pork chops because he will become them. The third thing is he continued to seek until he found. You know what that's basically saying? Matthew's making this point too. You know, Jesus came for six months every every synagogue a day, and he came right here, and he was kind to me, and he smiled, and he was there teaching, and I heard him. And after another six months, it's now been a full year that he's been hanging out in Capernaum, he looks at me and says, do you want to come? He stayed until he got that look from Matthew. I'm interested. But that took a long time. And with our friends, it's sometimes not a one-time thing, right? We've learned that. And then the final one is after they found him, I love this, they celebrated with them all that happened. You know, students that are here this weekend, some of them have only been walking with Jesus for a short while. And so finding their way through the Bible, learning this stuff has been brand new. Others have, since they were children, they've been raised up in your churches and seeing it. Now, when they look at you, do they see someone who notices, chooses, continues, and celebrates those who don't know Jesus, or do they see us as adults, as people that have gotten so wrapped up in all we already do <laughs> that it's not about who doesn't know yet, it's about our, what's going You see, over time, we distraction. Now, wait, what motivates me? It's not me. I don't motivate God, who God is, that this is God's way. This is God's nature. And so, 
in wrapping this before we get to um, dedicate these kids, you know, commission them into this life. And by the way, I want to echo that um, through surveys and research over all the years, what Rennie said. Uh, for example, the Evangelical Free Church, which is a group we work a lot with, more of their church planters have had equipped than any other correlating factor in what made them willing when they became an adult to go pursue planting a church. And the same is true for those who've gone to the mission field. The single most correlating factor that while they were still in middle school, they figured out what God's purpose was their life. Because if you wait to high school or later, you get kind of wrapped up in all the stuff, including the car and the car insurance or the dating and the marriage. And then all of a sudden, boom, I got work. I got family. I got bills. I got, oh, I'm too busy. They start now, it changes how they do their life. So why not start now? Isn't that cool? But again, it's never too late to catch up. Matthew learned that, right? Who does the lost sheep in this passage represent in your life? I, I have to go here for a moment. Who is God prompting you right now that you should do more life with? Invite them into your home, so to speak, as Jesus said, bringing them home, pursuing them, doing life. Who is it that you kind of go, oh, I don't think they're ever going to respond? Who are you going to walk with long enough? I can tell you people in my life, seven years, 14 years, 20 years. Some people still I've been tracking with since they were your age that still don't know Jesus. But guess what? We're still friends. We're still pursuing. And I still trust that if they'll open their heart, God is there for them. So who's God prompting you? Who this week should you spend some time with? Because God's prompted them in your mind, in your heart. By the way, it can be a sister, and they can be some of the hardest people later in life when it's already kind of broken and messy. How will you invite them home? How practically will you just do take a little time out of your life and do life with them, together with friends? Wow. That's the invitation God's given us this morning. You know what's really cool about it? That's how Jesus already did it. He showed us if God put skin on and did life, what would his life look like? This, us not just with each other having worship services, us doing life with those who don't know Jesus yet, and then inviting them into the story and taking the long journey with them. And then after they respond, to invite them into our life, which is that last letter on the word gospel that you guys have been learning as a group. I love it. The five foundational truths of the gospel, but it ends up with what? Doing life together. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that we have your help and example in the fact that you want us to pay attention to those who don't know you yet with our friends who do. That your Holy Spirit will prompt us. We need to spend time with you as you pursue us so that we have things to share that are from you, not just from us. But you know what we're really glad about is that this group of middle schoolers over here has your heart at this moment in their life to launch them into all the rest of their decisions, their choices, their life. It can affect everything they do at home with their friends and we'll call that family. We are so excited about what you're going to do in their life. I also just want to say thank you, God, for what they have done to encourage and pray for me and Rennie and Dave and Paul and others just with how they have helped the leaders fall in love with you more because of their love for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Dave and Ronnie. It has been an incredible, an incredible weekend, and so we just appreciate them coming up and working with, 
what we think is an awesome group of, of middle schoolers. So just absolutely love them. That's right. Up here with me is Pastor David from Freedens Evangelical Free Church in Port Washington. So we, we like to do things together. It's about seeing the kingdom of God go forward in our community. And so we have, this is actually pretty normal for us. Yep. We've been planning this for a while. Um, we work quite a bit with Open Door and Pastor Seth over there. And so it's, it's been a pretty cool experience. And so... Um, so I appreciate your friendship and just how much you guys have, have blessed us. So thank you, Pastor David. And I, I, I just wanted to share, um, I, I loved what David said from his message and, and, and writing about this. This is a team thing. This is us together. This wasn't just a segment of the church that had a great weekend because it's all connected. It's all the body of Christ. So when a group of middle schools together, schoolers get together for a weekend to do equip, that that should impact the rest of the body too, right? If if we're open to being influenced, and so so this wasn't just a, a kids thing, and we clap and say that that's great. This is actually all a part of what God's doing right now. I think in all of us and in our churches. And so I wanted to read something real quick, and 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 Dave actually made reference to it in Deuteronomy chapter six because I think it speaks exactly that. Deuteronomy chapter six uh, verses five through nine. Say this, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, which is what you were referring to. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, the reality of this is that in order for us or a younger generation to learn, we have to see the example. We have to see the example. And so for all of us in here, including myself, whether we're parents, grandparents, or not parents yet, if there's someone in this church body who's younger than us, we need to set an example. Because that's the only way, and this is, this is what they're communicating, that's the only way is if we can do it alongside each other, intergenerationally, that our faith gets passed down, not just to the next generation, but to the community of people all around us who don't know him yet. They need to see the example. And so with that kind of team mentality in mind, I think it, we thought it would be appropriate for us to just pray for, for our middle schoolers. And, and we would love you guys to join us. And so the middle schoolers are going to stay there. But if, if you want to reach out a hand and... And just join us in prayer and just kind of as a, as a way to say, yes, God, we are a team. We are doing this together and we're going to be a part to see as a, as churches, no matter what church in the community it is, that we're going to go forward together to see the gospel message reach Port Washington and the surrounding area. So I'm going to have Pastor David start with prayer and then I'll pray as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you showed up this weekend, Lord, and that you impacted the lives of these students, Lord, that they had fun getting to know each other, and that they learned how to care about their friends and how to share the gospel with their friends. Lord, I pray that this would not just be an event, Lord, but that this would be a starting point 
in a totally new direction for their lives. That, that they would not be caught up in all the distractions that are around them in this world, but that they would know you so well that their heartbeat would be in tune with yours. Lord, and that they would be so passionate about their relationship with you that they would see the people around them who need you. And that that wouldn't be when they get to high school or college or later on in life, but that they would start doing that tomorrow when they go back to school. Lord, I pray that you would help them to develop deep, meaningful relationships with you where they spur one another on and they encourage one another to pursue a relationship with you that's so deep that it overflows into the world around them. Lord, I pray that you would continue to surround them with people that love them and are going to encourage them and, and help them in that, that they would do that really for the rest of their lives and that they would look back 20 years from now, 30, 40, 50 years from now, and say, my life is an awesome place that I could never have gotten here without you, God. God, we also pray that you would continue to develop their hearts. God, you care most about their hearts, their passions, their motivations behind what they do. So, Lord, as they connect with each other, that it would be a right and godly motivation, Lord, that they would connect with other people around them, God, not to try to earn your love or respect, but just out of a passion for you and to see your message go forward. So, God, thank you for that heart that you, we see you're already putting in them and developing in them. God, in so many ways, we just see incredible things in their lives. Lord, we see nothing but hope and, and excitement moving forward and just a passion for you. So, God, I pray that that would continue and grow and be contagious with the people around them. Lord, so contagious with other believers. Lord, in our church bodies, God, that would be contagious, those passions, God. And, Lord, I also pray that um, they would be contagious people as they share their faith. Lord, empower them through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give them boldness to speak up when they need to. Lord, to say something when they need to, to stand up, to be able to speak out, God, that your Holy Spirit would go ahead of them and lead them and guide them. And so, God, we just thank you for a great weekend. We thank you for caring adults from, from churches all around and from this church as well, God, that, that saw this as a priority to make this weekend happen. Thank you for all the leaders. Lord, it wasn't just something to do, but it was a, an investment into the lives of these kids, and we're so grateful. So, Lord, go before us as we go out today, as we go into our workplaces, as we go back to school tomorrow, God, for all of us, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to us, continue to open up our minds and our hearts to see where you're at work around us, and we would just simply join you in what you're already doing. So, God, we thank you for that, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 What a great weekend. There's, it's, you know, I'm not as young as some anymore. I'm getting old. Staying up till one and two in the morning and all that, that's a lot harder. You know, what's the deal with that? But there is no other reason that we would stay up that late and have that much fun and do that many goofy and different things but to see, but to see our kids and this church and the church community of Port Washington move forward together. So it's just the best reason to come together and totally worth the investment. So thank you guys so much. I just pray that you would go with God and be able to share your faith and that God would continue to equip you to do what he's called you 
called all of us to do already. So just thank you and have a blessed day.